the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome to the USL show. The first week is in the books. I am Pony and I am joined by a unique cast. This week we are going to break down into two episodes. This one is, of course, all about the West Coast Best Coast. Joining me, I have, as Evan would say, two of my soccer friends and colleagues. First up is David. Howdy, Howdy guys. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. And also... We have Alan joining us from Southern California tonight. It is going well down here. Uh, a little bit rainy, which means people drive crazy. Uh, but I'm glad to be home and talking about some footy tonight. Woo. Yep, it was a good first week. And we are going to run down all of the games from the West Coast from the first week of USL Championship play. And of course, we're just going to do this in order of what game was played first so that means we're going to start off with the wednesday or not wednesday night friday night game starting off with orange county and el paso which was a nil nil draw orange county did lead shots 11 with five on target to el paso's seven with three on target and anyone have any thoughts out the gate on this game yeah, the uh the nil nil draw was the was the more exciting game in my opinion and alan you were there weren't you i was uh i was there taking some notes and live tweeting for bgn uh match day uh yeah it was it like f- exactly for a nil nil draw there was a lot of excitement there was uh a couple really good chances uh, orange county looked like they were the better team on the total of the night but el paso did have kind of two good runs of form in for about 20 minutes in each half and um, Ketterer is the, was the highest-rated player, and that's how I would have called it, too. He was for sure the man of the match. There was a couple really good on-the-doorstep strikes where Orange County put in, and he just came up really big. Um, he played really well, and he's pretty much the reason why it was a nil-nil draw. Uh, not to discount um, Aaron Cervantes on the other end. He came up with a couple of good saves as well. So uh, good strikes, just uh, the goalies were better on the night, and that's why you end up with a nil-nil. I was watching this one on TV, and it looked like, and tell me if it was the same in person, Alan, but it looked like El Paso came out stronger the first 20 minutes or so. They looked like the better team, and then it looked like Orange County kind of settled in after that and and looked better for the rest of the 70, in my opinion. Yeah, they had El Paso definitely came out. It felt Orange County maybe was uh, not quite firing on all cylinders, which uh, is problematic (laughs) because that's what happened in the uh, last year. Um, And then there was a kind of a good kind of run of play for El Paso in the second in the second half, but uh, didn't really amount to much. But I think overall, Orange County should walk away feeling pretty positive. I think El Paso as well. Um, both teams, I think, thought played well, uh, but I thought Orange County did have most uh, or more of the good run of play. And I thought the two best players on the pitch were the two goalkeepers. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, Ketterer was the best player on the pitch. I agree with that. But uh, Aaron Cervantes, I mean, he's, I didn't realize he was 17. I didn't realize he was that young. And he had a couple really nice saves. Super impressed with him yeah, as well. Yeah, he turns 18 soon, I think maybe in a couple weeks. 
Um, but he was really big last year, started right after his 17th birthday, got save of the week. Um, so he, yeah, he's, he's a beast. Um, and he's, yeah, barely 18 or almost not quite 18. Also important to note, uh, you guys, oh, I say you guys, I don't know if you affiliate now with Orange County <laughs> or San Diego, but Orange County was without two starters, too. That's important. Yeah, Darwin Jones and Harry Forrester. Forrester was on a suspension from last year, um, if you watched that match in the playoffs. Uh, and Darwin Jones took kind of a freak injury, a uh, ball to the eye, um, so he was not in the starting uh, 11 either. Uh, so it kind of just shows you the depth that Orange County's rolling with. Um, that they're probably going to be a little bit better offensively moving forward. Yeah, I think that's true for both these sides. They played their strengths. El Paso is going to be a very good defensive team. They have Ketterer, who last year is one of the better keepers and got very little recognition for being one of the better keepers in the USL. He's back and showed why he is still one of the best keepers out there. And Orange County had a lot of good offensive play. They had a lot of good chemistry between their players for being at the first game of the year. And I think we see this is what both teams are going to try to do. Orange County is going to provide a lot of offensive pressure and try to score goals. And El Paso is going to soak up a lot of pressure because they have the talent to actually soak it up and try to hit when the other team makes an error or on a counter or something like that or on a good 10, 15 minute run of play. And that's going to be where they're most dangerous. I think we saw a good. Yeah, Lomas. Yeah, it was, it was a good representation of what, of what both teams are going to try to do this year, I think. Yep. Lomas put that really good shot on on target in the 22nd minute from El Paso. So he's kind of hopefully he's the guy who's putting in goals for that team. All right, we're going to move on to the other game that happened at the exact same time because the USL decides to have their kickoff being two games simultaneously because why not? Makes it fun for us to start multitasking. (laughs) This other one was Tacoma won Reno with the win with three goals. Tacoma had, I'm going to start butchering names, so apologies if any of these players are listening. Hergart scored from the 26th minute. Reno came back with goals in the second half from Sakan, Francois, and Fuentes to make the 3-1 win. So I found out this was the first time in their history that Reno won on opening night. Fun fact. They've been historically a slow starting team. I mentioned that when we're in their lead up to the kickoff talking about that they've never won more than one of their first five games in league history and they just got their first one they might be willing to break that record this year finally because they've always been yeah who do they play next week yeah they have a it's not an easy easy schedule but it's not the most difficult one in the world that is they should be able to take one of these next four yeah, they play OKC at home next. Then they're at Austin at Sacramento. will be tough. Uh, and then home against Las Vegas. I'd say three of those four are eminently winnable. Yeah, I, I think, I think I, they I get thought, that monkey off their back this year. I thought it was a tale of two halves for Tacoma as well. Really, a pretty solid first half uh, and a pretty weak second half. Um, Tacoma looked better than they had last year. Um, and Hopiao was all over the place. Um, so there's there's some positive things for Tacoma in that match, but um, Reno definitely was the far better team in the second half. Uh, if you want to see Tacoma play well, look at the first half of the match. If you want to see Reno play well, watch the second half. If you want to confirm your your biases, yeah, well, pick a half. Right. Say, the one thing I liked about Reno is they actually had some really good <laughs> passing to set up those goals. 
It was, I think, the mm-hmm. assists were far more impressive mm-hmm. than any of the goals they had. I'm not sure if it's a factor of Tacoma not having the best defense, but if they can make, if Reno's able to make any defense look that foolish with through balls, they're actually going to be really dangerous this year. Yeah, and I think Francois's ability to pass is going to be key for them this year. I mean, he had the goal, he had the second goal, I think. That, yeah, second goal in the 74th minute. But the through ball, as you said, on the third goal uh, was one of the better plays of the entire match, one of the better kind of s- simulations, better, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Better sequences, rather. Uh, we are the simulation. Uh, better sequences um of, of the entire match a nice through ball there and uh led fuentes essentially one-on-one against the goalkeeper for an easy put away yeah both the assists for reno were very nice were probably top five assists for the week they were both just very clean very impressive to watch and like i said better than the goals really i'd rather watch that i'd rather watch that assist than the goal <laughs> right Okay, so we're going to jump into the Saturday games at this point, starting with the first game of Oklahoma City 1 and Colorado Springs 2. Start off with Valeski for Colorado Springs getting the goal. Harris for Oklahoma City ties it up in the 58th minute and an unfortunate own goal from Stevenson to give Colorado Springs the 2-1 victory. Poor Tucker Stevenson here. And the thing was, Colorado Springs, frankly, in my opinion, was was outplayed in this match. Um, OKC looked the better team. And, and the 2-1 result, I think, is fitting. But I think Colorado Springs, the switchbacks had really struggled, I mean, had really fought hard to essentially keep it at 1-1. They'd really uh, battled defensively to keep it there. And then Tucker Stevenson, who overall had a pretty good game, uh, just one mental error at the end there. And it was what it was. It was one of those own goals where it, you feel bad for the player because he just tries to make a play on the ball. I mean, if he if he if that ball gets by him, it's still a goal, um, I think. But you, you kind of just have to, especially after a hard fought game uh, uh, to give up a lead, uh, kind of in the back half of the second half, uh, you kind of feel bad for the for that player for sure. It's not like he made a, a terrible defensive play um, to put it into his own net. It, um, it's just kind of one of those unfortunate balls through that that bounce off you and end up in the back of the net yeah there are own goals that are stupid there are own goals that are like what what the hell is he doing this was not one of those it was an unfortunate error and unfortunately cost his team but good win for colorado springs on the road uh you know it's one of the better it would be one of the best wins that they would have had for the entirety of last year yeah these were two teams it's one of those yeah, to me, these are two teams that very much underperformed last season. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this year. Yeah. yeah well, um, you just got to hope, you know, Colorado Springs builds on that momentum. Um, and OKC, you know, they're, you know, you're going to be in that mix. And so hopefully you, you find this is one of those both teams can find some good stuff to take away and, and hopefully build upon. Um I only got to watch the highlights on this one, uh, but it seemed to be kind of a, a, a pretty fun, entertaining match uh, to, to watch. So it's glad that both of those teams are at least playing um, some good soccer. Yep. Okay, moving on to the next game, which was uh, another one where the keepers actually had a pretty good performance of Austin 1, New Mexico 0, Lima getting the PK goal in the 52nd minute to win the game. 
And we can skip this one. It's fine. <laughs> I was uh, I was at this one um, in Austin, and uh, it was not a pretty match by any means. I typically, I think I mentioned last week, I like low scoring matches, but this was not a fun one nil, um, and not just because New Mexico lost. Um, there were chances here and there, particularly uh, Kalen Ryden was was fantastic, the man of the match in my opinion from New Mexico's point of view. Um, one play in particular, he takes the ball at about half pitch mm. from uh, the right wing for Austin and storms down the left side, um, gets all the way to the end line, sends a wonderful cross in, falls to the foot of Amanda Moreno, who just unfortunately leans back and blasts it over the bar um, right before the half. That would have been an entirely different match at that point, would have been 1-0 New Mexico. And then the penalty, uh, well, USL officiating is always great, uh, so it was definitely the right call. Uh, he said sarcastically. Um, immediately before the penalty was called, uh, Tomasi had a very obvious handball um, just outside the box, was not called, and six seconds later, Justin Schmidt is barreling into the back of him, and it's a, a penalty called for, for Austin. Um, penalty was was deserved, uh, a little soft, but deserved. But again, handball not called right beforehand. I'm not bitter whatsoever. Yeah, this was the game to me that this should have been a zero zero draw. I mean, New Mexico had trouble finishing their chances. Austin's only shot on goal was the penalty kick. So it's not like they were able to create their own chances. Mm-hmm. I feel like, again, this shows what Austin's going to be, a team who's going to try to grind out lowest scoring games this year. And I think New Mexico could bounce back, but I'd like to see him start scoring, even if, you know, a, a no goals against one of the teams that's going to try to play defensively. It's not the end of the world, but I'd like to see him put a little more quality on some of their finishing and chances here. It's so funny, comparatively speaking to this time last year, or I guess a couple matches in last year, New Mexico was scoring like mad and couldn't keep people out of the net. Um, you know, obviously, as you said, it's very small sample size, one <laughs> match, but uh, it's it's the exact opposite. You know, they had really had trouble finishing their chances, and, and the back line looked fantastic, despite the fact that three players were missing off of it. Justin Schmidt, the captain, uh, was out. Um, it was uh, Rashid Tate, center back, was out, and Austin Yearwood was out as well. So three players off the off the back line out yet still, as you mentioned, Tony, the only shot on goal was the penalty. So well done to to the back line for New Mexico. Yeah, they had that, Austin had that one moment where it looked like they were going to score, and the guy was on the doorstep and just couldn't get the ball out of his feet. And that was kind of the, yeah, it was Torncoso had it just stuck in his right? feet. I was like, that was the best chance that they had, and it still was, you know, not the prettiest looking soccer. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think with the penalty, I was going to ask you what you thought of it. Um, I mean, you just can't go barreling into a dude in the in the in the box. Um, it was a little bit clumsy. Um, the handball. Uh, I, th- I think it happens at an angle that you know the center official and the AR probably are going to go. I didn't. I don't. I don't have anything on that, um, and, and right. it's quite unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. It's unfortunate to lose on something like that that you, you play so well. But you know, a clumsy, a clumsy tackle in the box leads to the one goal. So. Yeah, and I think with the penalty, you know, as again as a New Mexico 
biased fan. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a little soft. But if it was the other way and it was somebody barreling into, uh, you know, Devin Sandoval up top and knocking him down and it wasn't called, I would have been upset. Right. So that's how I know I'm full crap. <laughs> yeah, nice at that. The penalty was, I have no problem with the penalty being called. Missing it beforehand, that's a little more questionable, but... I don't. I think you can't really complain about that. Actually, the penalty kick being called right there. It's one of those where, more often than not, that's going to be called. And if it's not, the team who didn't get called against is going to be upset. Right. And I can tell you, watching it, watching it in the stadium, uh, you know, before like there's that split second when Schmidt knocks Tomasi down, um, and the whistle hasn't been blown yet, and all of us are throwing our hands in the air like, oh, here it comes. Right, right. <laughs> we know. We know it's coming. We know the whistle's going to get blown. Yeah, yeah. You, you almost, in that case, hope he blows it sooner so there's not that like a- agony of, will he? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hope's crushed. <laughs> all right. Next game on our list, San Antonio won the Real Monarch defending champions zero. Montgomery with the go-ahead goal in the 67th minute. And Real Monarchs with the first person sent off of the season as Powder gets his second yellow card and the stoppage time of the <laughs> second half. Oh. I think uh I think they're missing Michael Chang right off the bat. I mean, it's it's definitely not time to panic, despite what you may see on social media. Uh I was talking to some of my uh friends in, in Salt Lake and they're very concerned uh but it's match day one you know they didn't look great but frankly neither one of these teams looked particularly fantastic in this match i think uh san antonio was the better team uh but i think it was more of a problem with with again kind of like new mexico finishing goal scoring they had a couple chances uh, i think what um, look at the notes two on goal two shots on goal so not a ton but they miss Michael Chang, I think. I think they miss his presence, not just his goal scoring, but his ability to bring the ball up through center. Absolutely. Chang was one of the best players last year. I mean, he would have been on my shortlist MVP ballot. And they, yeah. I voted I mean, for him I, for MVP. I don't sure I got a vote. But if I did, I think he, no, okay. Well, not a real vote. Like, <laughs> a I'm pretend not vote in my head. Vote. So, <laughs> but yeah, he's. No. Me either. None yeah, of us he, he was very important last year. And you could tell the team's not quite the same without him this year. And I say, like you said, San Antonio was the better team, but not much better. And even though the Monarchs won last year, plus remember, this is where they kind of were. They were at the fourth seed, I believe, last year. And that's that's not one of those teams that's going to make a run back to the top of the table. They're going to walk in and be an OK team. And we'll see if this keeps up their lack of even goal scoring chances. They can't have this. They don't have a good enough defense to only get six shots all game. They need to be a little bit better on offense for that or yeah, really exactly. revamp the team to have it be more defensive oriented. But it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. And yeah. now they're going to be down one of their better players in powder next game. So we'll see how that affects them. One of their who's one of the goal scorers from last year's championship. And I think San Antonio walks away <laughs> feeling really good. Uh, new coach. Um you know, they get a, a, a 1-0 victory against the defending champs. I, I think they have to feel good going forward. 13 shots, only two on target, though. Um, I, I think they have a lot to build upon. And uh, this is definitely uh, winning at home versus drawing at home, I think, makes you feel a lot better going into that second match. Uh, so I, I'm, I know San Antonio fans are probably going to feel pretty good getting that home win against Real when you 
at the beginning of the game, going into that game, I think you're like, ah, you know, I I might be happy with the draw here, uh, defending champs. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, but I think they got to feel good. Brand new coach getting a getting a win to start their season. And I, one of the things I was looking for going into this match would be how Arturo Rodriguez would look. Um, you know, he just signed from North Texas SC. Kind of would he be able to stand up to the championship? And he was great. He looked really, really good for them. And he's going to continue to grow. And I think he's going to be an exciting player. He's on loan from North Texas, but um, he looked really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wondering how we're going to San Antonio's going to be this year. I think I've kind of made the joke of like a preseason and a couple weeks into the year, wherever you think San Antonio is going to be, just drop them down three or four spots, and that's how they're actually going to finish because they always fail to meet expectations. Mm-hmm. But again, this was a start. I have confidence in them of being kind of that play-in team range, maybe high-end if they get lucky in some teams, continue to struggle as we've seen that we thought were going to be decent. But you guys remember last year, I mean, they started off slowly mm-hmm. and then about, I would say, I don't know, maybe 75% of the way through the season, they switched formations. They went to a back three with wingbacks and that made all the difference and they didn't lose after that. But you lose Kalen Ryden, who was uh, kind of a stalwart of that back three and kind of what made it move. Now you can't play that way anymore and they're not comfortable. Yeah, I think San Antonio also, I think they struggled on the road a lot last year. Uh, so that'll be the next kind of measuring stick for them is um, can we can we play well at home, but then we can, can we also take that on the road? Um, so I'm looking forward to when San Antonio travels to see how well that that uh, that style of play travels on the road because I think that's going to be the difference if they can win a couple more on the road this year. Um, I think they're in a much better shape. I agree. Okay, next one. Moving down to a game that was not all that close. Phoenix Rising continuing their dominance the West with a 6-1 win over Portland. The first hat trick of the season as Dadashaw for Phoenix picks up goals in the 13th, 24th, and 65th minute. Fleming's got one in the 31st, Tunga at the 90th, and Asante in extra time. Portland did get a goal from Bonilla at the stoppage time, stoppage of the first half, but this was an absolute blowout. Phoenix with 31 shots, 14 of which ended up on target. This could have been so much worse than 6-1. Uh, I mean, I know you never want to give uh, like a man of the match to a guy who gave up six goals, but Hunter, Hunter Solte was really good in this match. I mean, they were completely overwhelmed, just absolutely just outclassed. It, I mean, it looked like a different league. Uh, but Hunter Solte made some really good saves in this situation. And again, never give a man of the match to a goalkeeper who gave up six goals, but he played yeah, well, which is weird to say. and losing 6-1. Right. Right. Yeah. I thought, you know, Phoenix and definitely it, underperformed. Uh, they looked really sloppy. Their crosses looked <laughs> just off. They weren't really connecting. <laughs> no, I mean, the highlight package lasted forever just because there was so much action in this match. Um, and a lot of it was, uh, I think, Phoenix saying, you know, hey, how we finished the season last year isn't who we are. Uh, let's go out and make some magic on opening night. And that's exactly what they did. You can't fault them for that. Yeah, they seemed like they were playing angry. Yeah, right? And they did all this, I would I would add, without one of their better attackers in Santi Moore, who was out injured. Yeah, I mean, when he's in, it's kind of even more goals. So we'll see. 
There's only nah, one ball, right? probably throw two out there just for the heck of That's it. That's the rumor. I'll say it could be actually the next thing could be interesting because uh, the I think Phoenix plays El Paso next. Maybe maybe I'm just lying about this. Oh, that'd be fun. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. They I read the no, they're not. They play Salt. They salt, play Salt Lake yeah. next. Never mind. I don't know why I thought El Paso. Yeah, on the road. But yeah, that could that could be an interesting game. Maybe we'll see. But yeah, I mean I right? think this. Or it could yeah, be th- this kind of torpedo is me thinking Portland might be a decent team. I thought they might have a chance to come back into their hey, we're playing team level, but and that's who play that's who plays El Paso next is Portland. Yeah, didn't you have them you had them in, in your tiers, didn't you have them right on that you had them yeah, right I on the fringe of the playoffs, in, right? Like the top end of D tier. I yeah, I think I'd on the very C top near the top of D, which is yeah. still not playoff team, but dark horse playoff team that seems like a bad call yeah but then you're interested to see well but i mean yes they look terrible but then you're interested to see how they how they do against el paso next week and and then how phoenix does against monarchs and that'll tell you i think you learn more about how good phoenix is next week by how portland plays against el paso than you do by how phoenix plays against Probably. monarchs if that makes sense i mean yeah. phoenix is on pace for over a thousand shots this season so I'm sure that'll drop <laughs> off, but you yeah, know, I'm sure they'll maintain using those statistics just to mess with it after one game. Why not blow it out a lot, blow it out of proportion, right? Small sample sizes are fun, <laughs> right? Well, LA Galaxy Two is going to win the league. Yeah, there man. we go. That's another. <laughs> See all the talk we all the talk we had about them last week it was warranted. We it's, we just it's knew I, we just knew that I they have, were going to be done. I had LA as a playoff team. <laughs> I at least did that much, but <laughs> I did not. So moving on to <laughs> what out west might have been the shock of the week for most people: San Diego won, Las Vegas won. San Diego limited to only three shots, one on goal, which they actually did score. So at least there's that. I mean, 100 percent shots on target to goal rate. But what happened? I mean, <laughs> what happened on this game? And last last year, Las Vegas was such a different team at home and on the road. They were a decent team at home, but awful on the road. And to go into San Diego, I, I, I was I, I was shocked. At, uh, I, think I think the, when we look at Las Vegas going into this season, has won four games on the road in league play ever. So, oof. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Uh, the shot total is a little deceiving. Uh, a lot of those are shots from long range. Uh, including from kickoff, mm. uh, and that uh, and the goal was like a forty-yard, like wonder goal, um, and then San Diego just looked like they were playing really tight. Um, they looked, it looked like the nerves got to them. Um, maybe uh, just pressing a little bit mentally, they were pretty wasteful in the final third. Uh, there were some like flashes and moments, and then just they would give the ball away, like heavy touches straight to a defender or. Um, well, and they opened up the match. They opened up the match. The very first kick of the match was a shot right. on goal. And that one was on target as well. That was the crazy part. Like <laughs> it was. He, They forced a save the, from the kickoff. Um, so I, I think it's this is one of those, again, the small sample size. I do think Vegas, um, I, I thought they looked a little bit better than they did last year. Um, as far as being able to play on the road, they play, talk about a team kind of playing a little bit angry. Um 
I thought uh, San Diego just didn't show up or they just were playing. Um, they were just not playing free flowing and loose. It felt like they were overthinking everything. Like instead of playing naturally, they were like, okay, I'm going to play. It's like when I play FIFA, it's like I have, to, I'm thinking of the pass instead of just passing. I'm thinking of the shot instead of shooting. And then it's like the opportunity has gone. Cause I'm like processing, do I pass it here? Do I pass it there? Um, so I, I just think that they were not playing very instinct- instinctively. They were in their heads a lot, it seemed. And they that's what they talked about after the match, too. It's like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of nerves, a little bit of weird vibe going on. Um, and so I'm really curious to see how well they do against Tacoma uh, t- uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, um, to see kind of where they really are. Was the preseason kind of a fluke? And they were just kind of playing relaxed because it was preseason. And now they can't perform. Uh, losing Greenspan in the twenty or the thirtieth minute uh, was definitely a kind of a blow as well. Um, but I think giving up one goal um, and that goal was a forty-yard stunner. Um, I think there's some positives mm-hmm. for both teams to take from this match. Is there is there a book on Fenlison that you know he can't handle long range shots or that he's not good at controlling rebounds or something like that? Because as you mentioned, like the goal from Burgos, there was a great strike um but yeah they were firing from range all day is that something that like is that something that fenlison has trouble handling um that would be a uh, phil grooms question um i mean he is a, <laughs> on the, a little bit on the shorter side um and he i mean he seems to move pretty well laterally uh but he is a little bit on the smaller side and i also wonder if it's they saw that there's some gaps in the team um in kind of behind the midfield and in front of the back three that they can kind of slot themselves in and take some shots from from distance that maybe not trying to get into the box or crossing into the box is not the attacking uh way they wanted to go maybe they just knew like hey if we can shoot from some range uh kind of test those top corners because he is a a little bit shorter um compared to some of your other keepers in the league um at least that's the way it seems when i walk by him um, but I think it's kind of a combination of that. That's where the spaces on the pitch were. And um, Joe Greenspan takes up a lot of space. And maybe maybe Fenlinson doesn't handle those top corners well. Yeah, to me, this is one of those things where I think Vegas is better than a lot of us thought they were going to be. Because, I mean, granted, they didn't look great in this game. But they were one of the picks for really bad team this year for most people. Because they have not been great for the, for the longest of ever time. And San Diego, I... I mean, what Sandy did against Reno in the last week of preseason, that's what I expected to see this week. I expected to see that level of San Diego to come out and against Vegas, Vegas on the road, to just take control of the game and dominate the entire match. And they didn't. This is a major disappointment. And now I'm starting to wonder if I was way too high on San Diego. I don't I don't want to say I am yet, but. You're playing a team who has habitually been one of the worst teams in the entire league on the road in your home opener. I mean, it's one of those things I almost have to think that they were given Vegas, not only for the rivalry between the two head coaches, but also I wouldn't be conspiracy theory a bit. I wouldn't be too surprised if the USL said, hey, give them a game they're going to win in the first home match that we're going to put on the TV and show everyone of how cool San Diego is. And they... I think completely blew it. I mean, this was the game they completely should have won. They were on paper the better team and on the pitch. Yep. They did not look like the better team at all. They look like the team who's going to be at the bottom of the table. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people had them, 
top four even. I had the, I think I had them fifth. And again, the sky's not falling. It's not the end of the world. It was one bad match. And again, defensively, they looked pretty good. As Alan mentioned, you know, it's it's a, a wonder strike from the top of the box that gets Las Vegas their only goal that gets them a draw. Other than that, San Diego wins this one nil, and we're not necessarily talking about the sky falling. I, as I think much. it would be so kind of talking about the defense right away because you can't have three shots all game. I mean, they're on pace Three to shots. barely crack yeah. 100 shots all season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Phoenix is on pace to do that by... I think that's the... Yeah. Meanwhile, Phoenix, gonna do that by meanwhile, the the Phoenix gets a, a thousand. San Diego's going to do that come playoffs. Yeah, I think that's the one... <laughs> the one thing I'm focused on for sure is the wastefulness in the final third, not necessarily any back-end issues. Um, the Phoenix fans were giving us a hard time out here about drawing Las Vegas lights. And I did point out to them that Phoenix drew Colorado switchbacks early in the season last year. Uh, so we were just trying to follow yep. the Phoenix model of drawing like four games in a row at the beginning. <laughs> well, Phoenix drew everybody yeah, at the beginning of last said, year. They were drawing like crazy. At we the watched last season. We're like, all right, this is what good teams do. We draw at the beginning of the year. We're just, you know, after school specialing. <laughs> no, I think next the next couple games is really going to paint a picture of can they put it together offensively? Because that's yeah. the question mark. Actually, games could tell if this was a fluke or if this was actually the real deal for both teams, in both good and bad ways. Right. And who does San Diego play next week? They play Tacoma tomorrow and RGV on Saturday. Um, Tacoma on the road. And RGV Vegas home. is going to be home to Sacramento. Well, RGV looked awful. And yeah, see, and okay. speaking of Sacramento, that'll be a tough match. I have words about this one, but. Sacramento won, Tulsa won, <laughs> and another draw that was somewhat unexpected. A draw that was unexpected, but was frankly yes. pretty one-sided. Uh, Sacramento was by far the better team. I watched pieces of this. Uh, I think Tulsa's lucky to get away with a point here. Uh, my preseason pick uh, for uh, kind of one of the, the best midfielders in the league, Rodrigo Red- Costa gets the goal. Tulsa, I think you're going to see a ton of... The Costa goals that are assisted by Mulatto and vice yeah, versa. And, and that's what happened we here all for had the last year for the USL show. We had DaCosta as our all first team midfielder. I mean, we had him on there and I think it was, I think it was actually unanimous. Every single one of us had him on our first team. So he's a great player, but this game right. was Sacramento in a nutshell for Washington play where they get all these chances and they can't finish them. They should have won this game probably three, nothing. And, they blew it. They dropped points. Yes, they missed chances that they're probably going to put in the back of the net at least 80% of the time on multiple occasions. And then they lose to Costa, who is one of the single biggest threats on Tulsa, to give up the equalizer. It's just, it's frustrating. One of those games where you completely outplay the opponent and you only get a point at home. That's football. I was just looking through the scores for the Western Conference for this weekend. 12 points for away teams this year. That's really high. I mean, this week, rather. That's really, really high. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, there are a couple bigger score lines, but for the most part, I think it was the home teams dropping points they should have had as opposed to the road teams stepping up and taking points. Yeah, this has a, a similar shot ratio to Las Vegas and San Diego. I think the difference is the quality of shots for Sacramento. They were, they were like you said, they're like kind of missing sitters in front of them uh, from the, like 
there was several that I was watching the, uh, the the highlights, and you're just like, how how do you miss that? But then again, it's like you know you miss them, and you just happen to miss a bunch of them, which doesn't usually happen. Usually, at least one of those goes in. Uh, so, yeah, definitely for sure, probably a frustrating night. Uh, but then again, you have to feel pretty decent that y- y- things worked well. You just have to have that last little put it into the box or net. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it happens at times. I mean, you also let's give credit to the Tulsa keeper who had an absolutely amazing game. Like so many keepers this mm-hmm. whole week. I mean, this this week was the week of keepers to me where, I mean, you could there's probably three or four people who are legitimate consideration for keeper of the week, and that usually doesn't happen. Right. And some of them didn't win. Like Ketterer should be in there. Yeah, and it was they just, didn't win. I mean, yeah. there are so many keepers who stepped up and got their team points. You can't give it to everybody at once. But we did have one final game on Sunday, and that was another not super close game. Although, maybe kind of the scoreline doesn't reflect how close it was. Rio Grande Valley one, right. LA Galaxy two, recorded five in a blowout game yeah blowout scoreline but I think you're right Pony it wasn't nearly as dominant as you'd expect a 5-1 to be shots 15-16 to 16 in favor of LA2 um, RGV actually had more shots on goal 8-6 to six. Uh, so 5-1 to one, a, t- a tough scoreline for RGV but I don't think it was quite that dominant yeah. from most of us no there was actually large portions of play where Rio Grande Valley was the, the better team like for large portions of the match yeah this was another game where the keeper from LA kind of stepped up and had a really good game and they just capitalized on every single one of the chances I mean if you get six shots on goal and score five times you're doing something right I mean they're not going to do that too often but I mean RGB is going to be hard pressed to have I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe you can't say they should have got a draw out of it, but they shouldn't have got humiliated five to one. We'll see them moving forward. I mean, yeah, it, there was like this could have easily been. Yeah, I mean, I could, this could have easily been, been a three, two, three one, game. Three, one. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> but it, it was interesting. To see. I'm not a Go huge ahead. fan of. I'm not a huge fan of possession on as a statistic to show anything, but kind of general styles of play. Uh, but possession was 56% to RGV, and it just seemed like RGV had a good run of play, and then Los Dos would just catch him on a counter and bury it, and then catch him on a counter and bury it. They were really clinical with that counterattack, um, and I think that was kind of the difference is, you know, Los Dos just had a really clinical, great finishing match, and um, and our RGV, it shouldn't be, don't hang your heads, Um you had a lot of really good run of play. Uh, just maybe the back end was a little bit I mean, switched. You can hang your heads match. after getting beat five one. Just not that. Just don't be that bad. That beat up about <laughs> it. I mean, if you lose five one, you got to be upset, right? Well, now you know you need to work on yeah, your see, transition. There you go. Defense, we're right? playing RGV. Just let them have control of the ball, and then we take it back. Just hit them on the counter. You'll win every game. Yeah, it seemed like the back line was just having fits with some of the, the kids up front from Los Dos. Yep. But that 
is the end of the first week of the West and USL play. It's really great to get back into the USL season. I've been missing this for the last few months, and now we're in full, full swing. We've got our Wednesday night games, our Friday night games, Saturday games, Sunday games, and occasionally one weird team deciding to play on Monday afternoon or something like that, because why not? They're usually MLS team, two teams, so who's going to be there for the game either way, for the most part? <laughs> hey, we play a match this year. New Mexico's match in Tacoma is on it a happens. Tuesday at noon. Oof. Although I think, if I remember right, last time I did that was like a yeah. youth game where they let a bunch of kids come. So it's like 4,000 people and they're like all mm. grade schoolers. <laughs> so. I'm going to I'm gonna probably be a little bit sick that day and I, have you, to find my way You're not feeling all work after leave by noon, man. I mean, that's your, you weren't feeling good in the morning, but you made an attempt. Four that's hours, right. four hours sick. You're good. That's right. That's right. That's right. I can but take that. But for everyone here at the USL show covering the best coast, West Coast, we thank you all for tuning in for another episode. There will be presumably an East Coast one coming out this week, unless technical difficulties happen for some other people who are not here in attendance tonight. But for myself, for David, for Alan, we bid you all a good week, good USL, and may your teams win this week as long as you're not playing one of our franchises. Mm-hmm.